Hello. 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 <laughs> uh, welcome to third number three, I think it is, of Poet Man and the Chronicler. Um, yeah, we have got a guest here today, uh, which is Kevin Hudson, and uh, he's going to do some poetry for us. Yeah, Kevin, I met Kevin through, I think, Lyric Lounge the first time in, um, I saw you do Mind the Gap in the Curve. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've been doing poetry very long then, but yeah. I think I did my first one about uh, not much more than 12 months ago. Yeah. So, at, um, just at the Queen's Road, uh, Clarence Park, they have the Art Beat Festival, uh, yeah, where you can so just stand up and do open mic. My old stumping ground, Clarendon Park, yeah. used to live there. Yeah, Queen's Road, nice place. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes, we, as you know um, from the previous podcasts, uh, we're basically doing this because there's a lack of uh, local uh, podcasts talking about local events on poetry and writing things. So this is our attempt to uh, to make people understand and know exactly what's out there. Uh, so we're going to start, as ever, with the poetry, so we'll take it away. All right, uh, I've got a poem about Facebook and Twitter and BuzzFeed uh, called I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul. A heartwarming story that will make you cry. Seven shocking facts that will make you actually die. 27 photos of dogs asleep with cats and then 33 photos of pets wearing hats. A lucky escape from a runaway car and five times pranks went a little too far. 19 images that speak to your soul and 11 crazy moves after scoring a goal. 14 sportsmen that have come out as gay. 23 things tall girls never say. Why tuna in oil is better than brine. And 16 gifts that get funnier each time. Which pop star are you? There's prizes to win. And eight clips of crimes that will make you stay in. 56 life hacks you can literally do. This is what your postcode says about you. 13 ways to remove that pimple. Hair loss remedy. It's so simple. 15 surefire ways to get wealthy. Nine top tips to make your diet more healthy. Mother's top tip for a wrinkle-free face and a miracle skinny pill. Now with new taste, there's thousands of these articles, so take your pick, because they're not going to stop so long as we click. And breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, you've done a musical person, haven't you? I have, yeah. Right. Uh, but just, I was hung over one morning and I got all my kit out and just recorded it. I don't yeah. think it's okay. All right. <laughs> I'm glad someone's heard it on SoundCloud. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So, uh, just before we go on to the next one, uh, tell us what you've been doing. Um, I've been, I had a really busy week last week, um, trying to remember it all in order. <laughs> Don't worry, just tell us generally what you've been doing. Well, there's a local poet called Andrew Lee, um, and he is from Liverpool, but he's lived in Leicester five years, he's been performing for five years, and he's run something now called Herd of Mouth, and it's been three events, I think, so far, and he asked me to do a set of ten there, and it went well. Oh, cool. I think I told you I entered a slam and didn't do very well. Well, you can't win them all, can you? Yeah, uh, I, I, I wanted to impress everyone by doing something that was only two days old about Jeremy Corbyn in the news. And I thought everyone else would be doing stuff that was very well practiced, and that's fine. And the reason that, that everyone in the, you know, I'd seen most of the poems that went through to the second round, not all of them, but like that's that's the learning curve in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're well practiced because you. I think I just worried that my writing is not very decorative language and it's not very, um, you know, I, because I do it in pubs more than theatres, mm. 
I was worried that like I'd lose points on writing and I might be able to claw some back by doing something brand new. So and then basically I went silent on stage for like fifteen seconds. Yeah. So felt like longer. I think but I carried on, got to the last line. Yeah. I was happy with the applause, but it was bad bad scores. So I think it really does depend on, as you say, which venue you are, what audience you've got, what they're expecting. But again, you know, this is a learning process. Yeah, I know. should have done You'll know next time. But basically, kind of I went to Heard of Mouth. I did a poem about how crap I felt after failing the slam. Mm. Um, and then, you know, about like sort of critiquing myself and sort of... It had lines in it like, um, I thought I could bluff my lack of fluff with a rant I wrote in haste. And it was two days old and I thought it was gold, but I fell flat on my face. So I was telling all the people in the room that most of them had been at the slam. Mm. I could tell them about what had recently happened. I had ten minutes, so that was one minute, was a rant about that. Then I did three three-minute poems that I should have done at the slam. Yeah, three that I could have done, mm-hmm. and it went well. You know, people people were happy. Well, so it was good. Yeah. So I sort of felt like I got my mojo back after heard of mouth. Then I did my poetry night on Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, Nags Head. Thursday, went to Corby. They, they've got Corby Cube. have got a big arts um, the library. Got okay. a lot of money behind it, and um, saw a show there called the Red Chair, mm-hmm. and that was Lyric Lounge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Friday I went to Session for Syria, which was at Duffy's Bar, and sold one of my books for a tenner to raise money for uh, UNHRC, Refugee Agency. They, ra- they raised a lot of money that night. Yeah, very topical. Yeah. But now it's good. So, so I had a busy week, didn't sleep much. <laughs> so you're just running on coffee and adrenaline at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it's, it's good. Um, should we invite Kevin to do? Uh, just about to say, yeah, Kevin, do you want to? Uh, yeah, okay. Can Well, well, Will suggested that I do, um, I do one that um, that somebody else is, and then one of my own. Does that sound? Yeah, that yeah. Right? Is, that the, is that the form, chat? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got one that's. Uh, I, I thought when I spoke to you, it was about what inspired you to get writing. The reason me and Ben started this was about like we find value in writing, and we think yeah. other people should as well, and. Um, rather than just sort of blowing our own horns and playing around stuff. Yeah. To, to, to say something about what someone else has written that's meant something to you or made you think about. Mm. Yeah, made you enjoy it. You know. So yeah, but yeah. I'm mean, eager to hear what you Well, it's, I mean, I've, I've picked one of John Cooper Clarks, who oh, was, you know, heroes of, of many years, seen him a, f- a few times over the years. Oh, great. And uh, yeah, and I think people, poets, the poets that have, have sort of said something over the years, would be John Cooper Clark, uh, probably Linton Crazy Johnson. Yeah. Um, and then there's a sort of a Gene Breeze connection now. So I've known Gene for a few years as well. And, um, and probably Roger McGough. Those are the, yeah. probably the main ones, I would say, that have, have sort of dragged drag, drag me to drag me towards writing some poems. Mm, cool. And you really? just you just get these words popping in your head from time to time. And, and I've started writing them down now. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's about it, really. That's how it starts for everyone. Oh, <laughs> yes. The words won't go away. <laughs> the voices. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do you get the headaches? Okay, take it away then. Well, it's it's um it's it's a married a monster from outer space, of which there are a couple of versions out there. Um, the, the, it was a, I think it was a B side of, of gimmicks or something like that was 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 where I first came across it. Um, and when he does it live, he does an extra verse in front of it. But I've sort of edi- edited that out, uh, and we'll see how we get on with it. Mm-hmm. All right. I fell in love with an alien being whose skin was jelly, whose teeth were green. She had the big bug eyes and the death ray glare. 
feet like water wings and purple hair. I was over the moon, I asked her back to my place, and then I married the monster from outer space. The days were numbered, the nights were spent in a rent-free furnished oxygen tent where a cyborg chef served up moonbeams, done super rapid on a laser beam. I needed nutrition to keep up the pace when I married the monster from outer space. When we walked out, tentacle in hand, you could sense that the earthlings would not understand. They'd go nudge-nudge when we got on the bus, saying it's extraterrestrial, not like us, and it's bad enough with another race, but fuck me, a monster from outer space... In this kind of atmosphere, love went lame. She took a flare to from where she came. I read all the papers, looked up the stars. Uranus is active and so is Mars. My horoscope was horrible, told me to my face. Avoid monsters from outer space. In a cybernetic fit of rage, she pissed off to another age. She lives in 2099 with a new boyfriend, a blob of slime. Each time I see a translucent face, I remember the monster from outer space. Awesome. Yeah, sounds like a number of like dates from university years. Yeah, well, the, the thing I, I also changed one bit because the, the original was obviously she lives in 1999 because um, that was way in the future when he wrote it back <laughs> in the 70s. So, so we had to move it on a hundred years to get yeah. it to, to get it to work. That reminds me, I saw an episode of the original Lost in Space this week, right? And the beginning of it is this ship, obviously <laughs> hovering on on wires, but it says. 2001 or something like that it was like no, it wasn't even that it was like 1995 yeah and it just, it just shows you yeah. yeah um i thought i'd read one that has inspired me because i bought um jay hume's book um who's like you has come to the first nags head gig that i did and it's sort of a similar thing it's a bit sci-fi that's right. why i like it it's called metalloid hearts um we are machines of flesh and bone our blood is like oil within the petrol of food goes burning inside our soon-to-be saggy old skin. Your heart is a piston pumping away, its drumbeat reduced to a tick. The echoes of memory stored in a whir, your silence is filled with a click. The pulleys of muscle and memory of brain, soon to be plastic, not cell. Your metalloid heart and your silicon mind creating an immortal hell. I am a human, I am a flesh and of blood and of bone and mistake. And I survive through the life that I have and not through the body I make. Metalloid heart and echoing chest, nothing is human inside. Programmed by leaders and dreamers long dead, their souls have been lost on the ride. The empty machines that march through the streets, they carry the dreams of the dead. But I know that I would rather die with my soul than live on in a metalloid head. So I really nice. liked Yeah. Well, that's Jay. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Yeah, nice one. Right. Kevin, do you want to do your own poem? Yeah. Um, this was, uh, again, I, I did this at the, at the Nags Head the first time. Uh, and it started off with, as, as many of these things do, through conversations that people, people mm. say to you. And it was my daughter, was, it was my daughter so just at the uni, just finishing off her master's. And she was having this conversation with my wife and saying, well, what radio station are you going to end up listening to? Mm. Because, you know, you start off listening to Radio 1, and she says, and even I've started listening to Radio 2 now. So, <laughs> so what, what are you going to end up listening to? And my wife said, just... Off the cuff, really. So, well, you can't you can't sing along to Radio Three, and, and I was actually lying in bed at the time, and I said, "Oh, that's a good line." So I leaned over and just grabbed a pen and a piece yeah. of paper and just wrote, "You can't sing along to Radio Three, and then just put that by the side of the bed and yeah. uh, and worked on it the next day. So this is this is you can't sing along to Radio Three. Great. 
You can't sing along to Radio 3. There's nothing on there that appeals to me. At the end of each tune, there's a moment of silence. Sometimes I'll admit it's provoked me to violence. I think the batteries are flat or the radio's broke. And while normally I'm a peaceful sort of bloke, I fling it at the wall and I keep down the stair and I stamp on it with slippers on until it's well beyond repair. When I was young and my listening days begun, I started off by listening to Radio 1. Tony Blackburn, Jimmy Young and other sorts of folk. DJs these days are just a blooming joke. Radio 1's fine though if that's your sort of thing, but I don't know any songs so what chance is there to sing? Don't start me on the music, it's just a load of noise, made by loads of pretty girls and even prettier boys. For years now I've been listening to Radio 2, but I keep on getting older, so what am I to do? From 1 to 2 was natural, a natural progression, but if 3 comes after 2 I see me heading for depression. So where now on the radio dial, where's my next radio station? If I'm forced to listen to Radio 3 it'll end in aggravation. You'll see me in a year's time staring into space, looking like I'm coming last in the human race. I'm a shadow, I'll be a shadow of the person that I used to be because you can't sing along to Radio 3. <laughs> Great. Of course, you could be a, a sad individual. And I worryingly found myself listening to Woman's Hour on Radio 4 this week. Mm-hmm. So it could get worse. You know, it could be worse. Do you know when Woman's Hour started, um, it was presented by a man. Was it? Yeah. Actually, that doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. Welcome Even to Woman's Hour. <laughs> <laughs> For you ladies out there. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, welcome to Women's Hour. Yeah. We're going to be talking about sanitary towels and all things uh, on the, in the Netherlands. Surely not, not in the 40s. Yeah, well, maybe no, not. I think yeah, I heard it with John, yeah. John Lloyd from QI and all that. He was, he was yeah. talking about that, I think. Oh, right, okay. So, okay. Um, we, Kevin, you've invited me to take part in your event in your, in your local pub. Yeah, well, so in, inspired, by, inspired by your efforts at uh, the Nags Head, <laughs> uh, Becky Talbot and I, who's, Becky's also um, has performed at, at the Nags Head, and, she's, uh, and, and I met her at the Curve thing, where I think she performed at the Curve as well. Yeah. Um, and we said, well, we should, we should do this at our local, which is Babalas on, on Queen's Road. Babalas is place, a, yeah. it is a lovely place, but I don't know what Babalas actually means. I have no it's, idea. It's an Afrikaans word because oh, the, yeah. the the owner spent some time in, in South Africa. Mm. It's an Afrikaans word. It means hangover. Is it? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so you've got a bar that's actually called Hangover, which that's is quite great. nice. But we thought we we ought to we ought to do something, and then we kept saying, oh, "Yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it," and then we didn't get round to it. And um, the the company that I work for, um, quick plug, Kaplan. Uh, do some do some advert do some uh, charity work every year. We always pick a charity and we raise money for that charity. Yeah. And we thought, what could we? we could, oh, I know what we could do. We could we could have a charity poetry night. Yeah. And so the idea came from that. I asked Jeff, the owner, whether we could do that, and he yeah. said, Yeah, it was all right, no problem at all. So we've we've got the upstairs uh, next Tuesday, October the sixth. Oh, fantastic! So it starts at half eight. Come along, and, come along and do a poem. Yeah. Babalas always used to do a great cheese and port board. They, they, they don't do the port so much now, but yeah. they, they still do the cheese. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think, really I think it was because they used to be two partners then. I think the yeah. other one, the other, the other one put more effort in than Jeff. Right. <laughs> so Jeff is a bit more chilled, a bit Jeff, more Jeff's, relaxed. Jeff's absolutely fine, but I think, I think the other guy used to organise like rum tastings and whiskey right. tastings and okay. wine tastings and things like that. Yeah. So I think the port and cheese thing would probably yeah. have been from him. Probably. But they still do a very good cheese board. Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Tuesday, October the 6th then. Yeah. £3 entry. Three pound, min- three pound minimum donation, we're suggesting, yeah. And it's for Teenage Cancer Trust. Teenage Cancer Trust. Brilliant. That's great. So, have you done uh, any of those? Or do you want to do anything else? 
Nags Head. That's going to be on my birthday, the next one. Oh. October the 14th. I'm going to be 31. Subtle, subtle hint there. October the 14th. <laughs> I'm just writing that down. A man in his early 30s. Yeah. Trying not to be dirty. I'm trying to rhyme. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, October the 14th. I'm turning 31. October 15th, um, there's a night called Anarchy, run by a local rapper called Zero Pence. That's at Duffy's Bar. And then I'm doing something at the Pie Bar. Um, Elizabeth Barker Carley's running part of her company, Dreaming in Colour. They're mm-hmm. doing um, all sorts of bands and stuff at Pie Bar, and that's on the 16th of October. Okay, great. So yeah, I'll be busy week, 14th, 15th, yeah. 16th. Looking forward to it though. I think I'm doing 20 minutes on the, at the Pie Bar, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay, that's your solid session, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Fantastic. And of course, way, way, way in the future, you've got um, oh, yeah. you've got the comedy festival sponsored by Dave. Um, yeah, I've paid the, a... I've paid my entry fee. My face will be in the catalogue. I'm doing a show, an hour show, sort of a debut one-hour spoken word and poetry show. A bit of music, maybe a bit of magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be called Drunk in Charge. I'm the drunk, and I'm in charge. Um, and it's got a poem in it about me cycling pissed and breaking my bike and my rib. So. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I still haven't written at the ending. And but, that's um, at, that's at the LCB depot, isn't it? Yeah, the there's a place called Grey's Cafe, and they've yeah. got a venue upstairs called the Lightbox that can seat seventy five. I'm not very well known, so I'm just going to charge three quid. I figure. Yeah. Oh, I've got books to sell. I've got. I can sell them online now. Shall I do my little book? Sell spiel? them online. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I go on stage at Open Mic Nights, and I say this: "We're booking me," and I say. Um, I wanted to make a book and I realised I was able with a craft knife and a stapler at home on my kitchen table. It's got 33 poems over 44 pages. I took a week to type it off. I took a week off to type it up. The layout took me ages. And in effort to give more value to you, I've rewritten each poem as a hidden haiku. I'm only going to ask a fiver, but it's free to take a look. So if you think I should keep doing this, then why not buy my book? <laughs> so I'll do that okay. on stage. <laughs> um, so yeah, and if you go to paypal.me, paypal.me slash poetman mm. um, and type in £8. Uh, I can post it for that to people. Oh, right, okay. Uh, it's, just, it's just, you click on that and um, you can you can pay me and it says add notes if you put your address in there. Right, okay. I'll send it. So There's a little link saying goods and services. If you check that, you're covered if I don't send it, if you don't trust me. Right, okay. Otherwise, it's a donation loss. So that costs me like 3% or 4%. Okay. But yeah. So £8. Yeah, I think. Well, you say that <laughs> in person, I'll, I'll accept less. But with postage and stuff and yeah. a little bubble wrap bag, it will be a bit more. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, well, I could come along to the charity and I'd pay three quid to get in and maybe get the book cheaper. Yeah, well, definitely. Could do I'm that, open yeah. to haggling. <laughs> cool. I did accept a pint of Stoford Press at one place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Desperate times. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's great. Okay, well, we're going to go on to uh, my bit, the writing bit at the moment. Uh, uh, stuff I've been doing is I've been doing a bit on my ongoing novel called Heavenly Calculations because I've got to get the first draft of that done by the end of the year. Um, I've also got to finish um, this fan fiction thing that I've been asked to do called The Company Man, which um, I will have done hopefully by the end of next week. It's kind of changed slightly now because I'm going to have illustrations as well as the actual story. 
Um, so obviously I'm having to wait for people to, to do, do the illustrations, read the story first and then do the illustrations. So it's probably going to be available, hopefully by the end of this month, but it might lead into uh, the next month. Um, and also I've got to do another Noah's Chronicles because uh, it's about you actually. So I've kind of half done that as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read a short story which I've kind of resurrected from last year. Now I'm going to tone down on the character voices because <laughs> last time I got a mixed response to my. I really liked your voice. Yeah, and some people liked it. Some people were like, "What the fuck was that?" I've got uh, a really good country accent. <laughs> it's actually one the one of the three accents that I can do. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Well, so my wife told me. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so this is a, uh, a short story called "The Spare Room." So, Bob looked out of the lounge window as the neighbour's cat stalked slowly across the rose garden and started to rake the trellis with its claws. He turned to the room and surveyed the scene. Drawers emptied and discarded unceremoniously on the floor. Books pulled from the shelves with pages inexplicably torn. And perhaps the most bizarre testament of left, left from the intruder's wake. A small puddle of urine in the centre of the carpet. An almost feral signature. A static voice announced itself from the phone plastered to his ear. Which service do you need? Oh, uh, police, I think. Click. Hello, can I help you? The relaxed tone of this person threw Bob. He imagined hysterical people shouting of murder and mugging to this placid, almost doped individual. Yes, I've, I've been broken into. Right, can I have your address, please? Bob reeled off all the usual information and gave a brief description of the scene and his movements leading up to the discovery of the break-in. Okay, so we'll have a local constable, a PC Dawkins will come round and check it out. Check it out, thought Bob, with, with a furthering his distaste of this person's flippant attitude and painfully casual language. It felt like he was ordering a pizza. Thanks. Uh, when will that be? Am I allowed to go and get myself a cup of tea or do I need to, I don't know, you need to dust for fingerprints or something? Just leave it as, the, just leave it is, as it is now and wait for the constable. That should be around in the next 30 minutes. Okay, thanks for your help. He hoped he didn't sound too sarcastic. He placed the phone in its cradle and grimaced at the acrid smell of the urine. Fucking animals. What makes people defile a person's home by pissing on the floor? Is it some kind of primitive necessity to mark territory with scent or just some little bastard's idea of a joke? Just like fucking dogs, he said to the empty room. As if sensing his thoughts, his own blood had made itself known. And he made his way upstairs, past more carnage of marker pen graffiti scribbled unintelligibly on the walls, and the contents of his <clears throat> and the contents of his drawers strewn down the stairs. It made no sense. Why make so much mess? He could feel his anger rising. Feel the anger rising in him, and he grasped the banister and tried to collect himself. No use being angry when the police arrive. Try to be objective. In the bathroom, he steadied himself on the wall and felt the release of tension as he pissed into the toilet. Seat up, of course. He'd been trained well. A sound came from the adjoining room, the adjoining spare bedroom. Only a small sound of something falling, probably just something thrown off balance by the intruders, making its 
final admittance to gravity, but it was enough to stop him mid-flow. Hello? He called, not knowing what to expect. There was no response. Is there any nasty burglar type still here? He asked, trying to sound a bit threatening. There was still no response, but what may have been a shuffling sound came from the neighbouring room. Or maybe it was just his hypersensitive imagination. He looked for something that could, that could be used as a makeshift weapon, but could only find a toilet brush. And then he spotted a hammer, which he used to put some shelves up previous, the previous week. He opted for the hammer. Tiptoeing past the bath, he gripped the hammer in his left hand, turning his knuckles white. Surely there, were, surely there was not one of them still here. If so, what would he do? He didn't see him, himself actually using the hammer. That was stuff of bad slasher picks. But what if he did? What was the law? Would he get arrested for assaulting the prick or pricks? Plural. Jesus, what if there was a whole fucking gang here? There was no point in this solid, silent debate. You would just have to see what was probably only a manifestation of his overwrought mind. He left the haven of the bathroom and entered the hallway, listening intently for any further sound other than the squeak of the aging floorboards as he trod upon them. The door to the next room, which was now, which he was sure the sound had come from, grew ominously as he moved down the corridor. He held the hammer in his right hand, raised above his head, in an imminent bashing posture. He pushed open the doors. Please don't hurt me, came a whimper from the room, which sent a surge of shock through Bob's body that ended up in his bladder despite his toilet break a moment ago. Who the hell are you? He asked the girl, who was huddled in the far corner of the spare bed. She was dressed in a battered Adidas tracksuit with a stained and threadbare hoodie top. Her face was framed by a nest of matted red hair, which was in stark contrast to the dark rings under her red-lidded eyes. Who are you? He said again, but she just stared at the hammer he still had ready for bludgeoning. He slowly lowered the hammer, but kept a good distance from her. She did look wild like she'd grown up running with wolves or something. I'm sorry, she said again, tears spilling down her face, leaving streaks through the pimples and grime. How old was she? She was surely no more than 15. Did you do all this, all this mess? He said, sweeping his hands around, indicating the upturned room with CDs scattered on the floor and the smashed mirror fragments that sent a kaleidoscope of sunbeams around the room. She did, not she did not reply, just lowered her head and continued to cry into her chest. Well, did you? he urged. Yes, no, well, some of it. She sounded indignant through her sniffles, as though he, he, as though he had insulted her. It was mainly the boys. Which boys? he asked, resting the hammer on the mantelpiece. There was no need for it, as the girl looked cadaverous and brittle, as if she would break if you applied so much as a firm grip. Just the boys, the boys, she gasped as if failing to understand his ignorance. Okay, the boys, but what were they looking for? Was it money for drugs? This he'd led to believe by the media was the only reason for young crime nowadays. She hung her head low, concealing her head and sobbed into her chest. Well, whatever it is, you should know that I've called the police. This did not provoke the response he'd hoped for. She stayed where she was, crouching in the corner of his spare room, 
a small defeated testament of everything that was wrong in today's society. He hunkered down to her level and placed a hand on her shoulder, but she flinched back. Her head lifted and her eyes startled. It's all right, I'm not going to hurt you. Just tell me how you got into this mess. She looked at him with a mixture of suspicion and defeat. God, what had happened to this girl that she reacts so? What debauched and fucked up scenarios has her short life experienced to cause such a reaction? He tried a different approach. Okay, what do you want? She looked at him with a hopeless, hopelessness that crushed him, and she exposed her right arm to display a minefield of needle marks. Okay, so is it heroin? He asked, desperately rummaging through the, his inner catalogue of drugs, which consisted of dabbling with marijuana in college, and what he's gleaned from the movies and books. She nodded. Do you? She asked, hopefully. Ah, no, sorry. But there are places you can go. She looked crestfallen and suddenly leaped past him on all fours and ran into the corridor. He stood there dumbstruck for a second and then ran after her into the corridor. He could hear her desperate escape down the stairs and he followed, unsure as to the reason for his pursuit. He reached the lounge just in time to see her exiting the back door. Through the window that looked out into the back garden, he could see her vaulting the wall, followed by a hissing and a screeching sound of the disturbed neighbourhood cat. And as suddenly as she appeared, she evaporated from his dull suburban life. What would happen to her? He could track her down and make... Could he track her down and make her change her ways? Where would he start? He doesn't have a name. He has a description, although the same details could probably be attributed to any runaway girl. But he could still try. Who knows? It could be the one noble thing he does in his mediocre life. But he knew that was stupid. And this feeling would soon be forgotten as the pace of life left her in shadow. His memory of her would live on as a tale to be told at dinner parties and banter at the pub. Sure, he would report her to PC Dawkins in an effort for them to track her down and get her to a clinic. But what was the likelihood of their success? Not high, he warranted. His maelstrom of thoughts were disturbed by the front, by the front doorbell. What would, uh, that would be PC Dawkins, a full, he looked at his battered Casio watch, 20 minutes after his call. God, all that had happened in such a small space of time, yet it would stay for him for a lifetime. That's nice. Thanks very much, sir. Very good. Okay. Cheers, Claire. Um, yeah, so uh, that's my section. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be fairly short this time. Uh, I'm going to, uh, again, invite people to send in um, any short stories or flash fiction. So short stories can be around 1,000 to 7,000 words. Flash fiction is typically kind of between 100 and 1,000 words. Um, so, yeah, you can send it via our Facebook group, which is, where is it now? Oh, yeah, uh, obviously facebook.com forward slash poetman and the chronicler. Uh, obviously no spaces there so just send me a direct message with uh with your writing and we'll read it out on the podcast yeah same for poetry anybody has got any poetry they want to send in i'd like to read some out and then uh, we what we do at the nags head normally now uh, and kevin's normally there is we put like we do some sort of theme i don't know if any of us three could think of a theme with some sort of i mean normally 
Mm. I mean, in the last podcast, we had recordings of pints, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it, pints, yeah. Um, but yeah, anything, I don't know. We just accept anything, whatever people feel they want to send. Well, that's it, yeah. I don't want to restrict people to a particular theme. Yeah. Just send, just send in anything and everything, uh, and we'll read it out. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, so, I just want to say thank you to Kevin for coming in and reading uh, his poetry. Yeah, uh, Kev, before you... Before you... Yeah, no, go and kick us all out. If we all do what like Twitter handle we've got, I know you're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. What's your? Yeah, so I'm uh, at Kevin M for Michael Hudson. So at Kevin M Hudson. And I'm at William Makes Beer, but it's got one L in it because uh, Twitter's <laughs> short for <laughs> usernames. Okay, and I, I don't have a Twitter because I despise it. Um, <laughs> oh, but... sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, but many people like Twitter, so it's probably a good thing to have. But uh, I, so I have my own Facebook page, which is obviously Facebook forward slash Ben H Fiction. I also have a specific one for Noah's Chronicles, which is facebook.com forward slash Noah's Chronicles, or Noah Chronicles even. Um, And we have an email as well, if you prefer just to send us an email, and that's uh, poetmanandthechronic at gmail.com. It's easier to spell than chronic blur. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and we are a bit chronic, aren't we? <laughs> but, uh, well, the first time you were chronically ill, you'd been jet lagged and whatnot. Oh, from, yeah. Were you from Prague that time? Well, a bit of jet lag, a bit of um, insomnia kicked in. It was, uh, yeah, I was high as a kite and still managed to uh, to uh, do it just about. Yeah, yeah. But um, also, the actual address for this, you will know anyway, because in order for you to listen to this, you must have gone there. But it's um, it's soundcloud.com forward slash Ben Mark Harris forward slash Poetman and the Chronicler. But ignore that. Just put Poetman and the Chronicler in the search and it should come up with us. Also, you can do that through the podcast app on any Apple device, any iOS device. Um, and it should come up as well. Uh, so that's that's us really, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the next one I might have more to say about my February show. Yeah. I didn't say what date that's on, but basically it's um, called Drunk in Charge at Grey's Light Box, Saturday, February the 13th, half past nine. So um, and it's just £3 a ticket. It's not online yet to um, for people to... Dave's website, they've only just finished taking submissions in. Yeah. But yeah, it will be on Dave's Comedy Festival okay. Leicester website. Well, any links and any updating, updated, sorry, upcoming events will stick on the Facebook page as well. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you just want to find out any information about anything that we're doing, just head over there. Um, and that, again, is facebook.com forward slash Poetman and the Chronicler. So that's it. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. And uh, I see we'll try and, we'll try and make it... Um, Another two weeks, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, before the next one. Well, yeah, I feel like saying goodbye to everyone, but like I'll see you Tuesday, innit? <laughs> <laughs> well, say goodbye to our wonderful audience. Oh, well, yeah, but you can't see them, they're through a screen. Yeah, this is true. You've got to imagine, use your, use your mind, use your imagination. I don't know if I've got one, have I? Yeah, I must yeah, have. Uh, you must right have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks everyone. Yeah, thanks everyone. Cheers. Until next time. Bye. Bye.